Today is Wednesday, February 21st, 2024, and this is the Weekly Refresh. Jesus shares with his disciples what is one of my favorite passages from Scripture. While he sat by the sea, many gathered around him, and he taught them through parables. Matthew 13, 34-35 says, All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Jesus spoke only in parables for a reason. The disciples wanted to know that reason, so they asked Jesus while he was preaching in parables in Matthew 13, 10-15, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will, in, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed." lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Jesus is teaching his disciples that the parables serve as a filtration system, a filtration of those who are not called to believe by hearing and seeing and understanding the gospel that they see and hear right before their eyes and ears. Jesus tells us why this is in John six forty four. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Jesus then repeats this point for emphasis and adds some more reasoning in John six sixty three and 65. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Jesus is combating the pharisaical mentality that salvation is earned through obedience to God's law or that favor from God is earned by human works. He states that the flesh is of no avail, meaning the flesh or human works cannot earn you any salvation, nor that the flesh can choose faith in Christ, but only those whose salvation is initiated by the Father's election. We know that, but Jesus emphasizes that it is the Spirit who gives life, and the Spirit does what the Father directs. So, the Father elects, and the Spirit makes that election effectual, or puts that election into effect for us in our lives in what we call salvation or justification. Those who are not elect are not chosen to understand the gospel. Therefore, Jesus speaks in parables in order to filter out those who are not elect as only the elect by the miraculous work of the Spirit, can understand the teachings of Jesus that lead to justification and further sanctification. It is important that we understand that while Jesus says this, he knows what we do not know. In John 6.64, which I skipped over in the last text, it says, For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. Jesus has insight into those who are elect and those who are not. We do not have such insight from the Spirit, so our agenda is not like Jesus's. 
to hide the truth from those who are not elect and filter out those who will not believe because we do not know who will or will not believe. Rather, given that we do not know who is elect, we are to share the gospel clearly and freely to all people who are willing to listen. The fact that God tells us that he has elect believers and that in Romans 11.25, Paul tells us that there is a specific number of Gentile believers who are elect that must get saved before the end of time assures us that there are elect out there in this world who are ready to hear the gospel. We just don't know who they are. So we tell it to everyone in hopes of finding those elect, meaning God's sovereign God's sovereign. God's sovereignty in election is a greater motivator for evangelism than if he did not sovereignly elect. Notice also that Jesus says in Matthew 13, 15, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. If they did turn to Jesus because their eyes, ears, and minds were open to the truth, then Jesus says, I would heal them. This is the heart of Christ. This is his true nature. He is a healer. He is salvation. It is his truest nature to save, not to prevent salvation. This is his moral code. But his moral will submits to the Father's sovereign will, which remains to prevent some from believing. Thus, the gospel must be hidden in parables at times so to ensure that some do not turn to Christ, because if they did, he would heal them. Since God's sovereign will is that they not be healed, Jesus must follow the, sovereign, the Father's sovereign will and speak in parables to prevent his true heart from saving those whom the Father has not drawn to himself. What's important to see here is that though God sovereignly prevents the non-elect from believing for the sake of his greatest glory, that sovereign will is not the beat of his heart, as he is a savior and a healer. Now, I still haven't told you this awesome parable of Jesus's that he tells his disciples, so let's get to that. After teaching through parables, Jesus retreats to a house, and his disciples came to him and asked him what the parable of the weeds means. Side note, if the disciples still didn't understand the parables, yet you and I can understand the parables, then that shows you the magnificent power of the knowledge of the Spirit to enlighten us to the truth that is taught to us in Scripture. So Jesus explains the parables of the weeds and then jumps right into one of his shortest parables, which is the parable that I want to share with you today, and it is connected to the context we have already established. In Matthew 13, 44, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Short and sweet. This parable reveals the value of eternal life, of heaven, of the eternal joy in the presence of the Father and Jesus. Just as you would be elated and excited to find treasure so valuable that it was worth more than any of your current possessions so that you sold all your possessions to take hold of that new treasure, so also eternal life in the presence of Christ is worth more than anything in this life or on this earth. Essentially, Jesus is telling us to sell out for him. So what motivates us to sell out for Jesus? Joy. What does Jesus say motivated the man in the parable to sell all that he had? He said, 
it in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. When the man understood the value of what he found, he was willing to sacrifice everything in his life to own that valuable treasure. Jesus is teaching us that he is that treasure. And like the man, we should be willing to sacrifice anything and everything to possess the treasure that is Jesus. And the evidence of his value is found in the joy he produces in us that that motivates our willingness to be sacrificial, to dump the old man and put on the new man in Christ, to give up all worldly endeavors and pursue Christ alone in all things. So, what does this have to do with God's sovereign election that is contextually laced within these parable teachings? Those who are elect, whose eyes and ears have been opened, whose minds have understanding by the grace of God through the Spirit's work in us, are the man who sacrifices all that he has just to have Christ. And what we get from this treasure, that is Christ, is unprecedented joy and satisfaction and pleasure in our infinite treasure. That is the marked difference between the elect and the non-elect. As Jesus taught, those who did not find joy in his teaching did not see the treasure. But those who did find the joy of Christ and salvation in his teaching were only able to do so because the Spirit opened their eyes and ears and understanding to the truth of his teachings through parables, or at least they were willing to ask for more as they were hungry to be at the feet of the treasure himself. Additionally, the man in the parable covered up the treasure before he bought it so that no one else could steal it from under him. He hid the truth so that he could possess it. That is exactly what Jesus is doing to those who are not elect as he shares the gospel in parables. Jesus hides the gospel truth, truth from those who are not elect so to prevent them from believing since they are not drawn by the Father. Rather, as 1 Peter 2.8 tells us, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. You could take a break here and argue with how unloving that may seem to us, that God would intentionally prevent some from believing, but two things are true. One, this is what scripture is telling us, and we must trust the word. Two, the prevention of belief in some is meant to magnify the glory of faith in us that was given to us as a gift from God, not something we earned so that no one can boast in their salvation. That's from Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. In Romans 9, 23, Paul tells us why God makes vessels or people for disbelief. And God's reason is in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy. We are the vessels who received mercy. And the eternal damnation of those who do not believe magnifies the glory of God's mercy on us, causing in us an elation of joy and thankfulness and gratefulness to God for making us vessels of mercy. And as our, sanctif uh, as our satisfaction in him grows, his glory in us is exalted. God does everything to magnify his glory, and his election achieves just that. So, what does this mean for us? We already found the treasure. We already have Christ, which means we should already have joy unprecedented joy that is unparalleled to any other source of joy in our lives. We ought to be the most satisfied, pleased, happy, joyful, and content people in the entire world. 
And nothing exposes the condition of our joy better than suffering and hardships. Meaning regardless of what difficulties we face in this life, we must remember that the same sovereign God who elected us is the same sovereign God who has intentionally placed our trials in our life so to expose where joy is lacking and to reveal where joy is prominent and mostly to produce even greater satisfaction in him. Our trials squeeze out our putrid discontentedness and force us into God's presence of peace and comfort where we are reminded of who our God is and just how much of a relief and a pleasure he is to us despite all the chaos of life that surrounds us. When we retreat to him, as Jesus often did, we find that compared to the rest of life, he is genuinely the greatest treasure to possess. Nothing in life could make us happier Nothing in life could produce more joy in us than him. What else does this mean to, uh, for us? Election should not prevent us from sharing the gospel. It should motivate us to share the gospel because election teaches us that God has elect out there who are ready and willing to receive the gospel and believe. The only thing that keeps them from believing is our unwillingness to share it with them because we fear what the non-elect will do or say when we expose our treasure to them. They will think we are foolish or they will argue against our faith in a way that we cannot defend and we fear that exposure. But faith fights back and assures us that we truly possess this great treasure. You will likely face much ridicule and rejection as you seek out the elect but they are out there, and we need only to tell them. Don't forget what Romans 10.15 says. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news.